0: Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating one year of our Rutland Outpost meeting for worship services, community outreach, and sharing God's love in Rutland, Vermont. High five, Rutland, to what God will continue to do as we pray for one. Up at number four, here at One Church, kids 4 years old through graduating 5th graders are gearing up for Adventure Bible Camp. They're going to have a blast and learn more about God's kingdom. Adventure Bible Camp will be hosted at our Manchester outpost June 26th through the 29th, and you can visit church.one/events to register your kids today. Here at number 3, our residency program here at One Church serves to develop young leaders exploring full-time ministry. We currently have many residents in the program, some who are nearing the end of their year here and some who are just beginning. These residents are passionate about reaching the most people in the shortest time, and they're gaining experience and growing in leadership in a variety of ministry areas at One Church. If you are a young leader called to ministry who wants to explore the possibility of this residency, visit church.one residency. High five to bold steps to be used by God. Up at number two, our Bedford outpost delivered Kona ice to the kids and staff at Bedford Elementary School for their field day this past week. The kids had a blast. High five Bedford to sharing God's love like this. And finally, up at number one, one church is celebrating eight baptisms this past Sunday. High five to Ramona, Caleb, Kyle, Jackson, Hannah, Nicole, Erica, and Kim. We are so excited for how God will continue to work in and through you. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one.
1: All right, Franklin, we ready for a new sermon series time here at One Church? I'm just kind of, it's amazing to me, we've been here now, this is our second summer meeting together, growing this outpost, and just looking back at all the other sermon series that we have gone through and it's always exciting for me when we start out new ones. Another chapter of what we are gonna be learning together as a family of God here at this outpost. And this one, this new series I'm excited for, it's a lot of fun, it's called Bedtime Stories. So we're looking at some of the maybe odder stories that you find in the Old Testament that are just ways of how God shows his characteristics to us, how God is revealing who he is to us. And we really, I feel like we really do love a good story. Like people get, you get dialed in with a good story. You get attached to characters in a good story as well. And God knows this about us, so he tells us stories. But then also with Jesus's ministry on earth, he spoke in stories, he spoke in parables to tell people about what it meant to pursue godliness, to live like God, to pursue being more like him in our daily lives. But what's great and exciting is that we're not just recipients of these stories that we hear from God. We then are able, he invites us in to be active participants in what he has going on in the world around us. And we see that with our memory verse for this series. It is in Psalm chapter 107, verse two. Psalm 107, verse two, it's up on the screen behind me. Let's work on memorizing this verse throughout this series that we have ahead. And it's up there, read it along with me, please. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. All right, so let's define the redeemed of the Lord. It's you, it's me, it's us, it's the family of God. Anyone that declares that Jesus Christ is their savior, that is the redeemed of the Lord. And because of that, You all have a story to tell. And God's inviting you to tell that story, to share that story with people in your lives. Because if you have this story of redemption, it is a fantastic story. It is a great story. It's a story how we were living one certain way or we were in the path going down this certain direction, but then Jesus came in, redemption comes in, and we get to live a completely new life that is defined by His grace. And why are these stories fantastic? Why is that grace fantastic? Because we can often be very used to the stories where there's never really a happy ending that we see in sight. Where there's a story where curses have been passed down, where curses are what's led with. Maybe it's the curse of addiction led passed down from generation to generation the curse of anger, of malice, of the love of money, whatever it might be, all these curses. And it's almost like a, a definite thing that's happening, a destination that we know the end of the story too. So then that story doesn't really ring true for us. Starts to lose a little bit of weight. So then a story where we take that curse and then instead focus on the grace of God, we're no longer defined by curses in the world, but instead the grace of God that has defined us through that redemptive power those are great stories that we get to share. And that, and indeed, because of that, we have been redeemed by the hand of the foe. So as we share these stories with people, we can keep a couple things in mind when we share our story, the story of redemption with people in our lives. First of all is to love the person that you're sharing the story to. One thing that I have to remind myself, because I love telling stories, is that telling a story is not for the benefit of the individual who is telling that story. It's for the benefit of who you're telling the story to. You want to enrich their lives. You want to share something with them so that they're growing closer to God, or they are are filled with joy, or whatever that story might be. I think about when I was a kid, I don't think my dad, you know, he didn't love the story of Pickles the Firehouse Cat that he would read to my brother and I at bedtime every night, but he knew that we loved it. He knew that it brought us enjoyment and it enriched our lives. When we love the people that we are telling the story to, that's something that we can keep in mind when we are sharing these stories. We can remember that our story is good news. It's good news and not bad news. Never sharing good news in a bad news way. And what's great is it is news. We can think like, oh, my story is not that intriguing, it's not, that it doesn't, it's not exciting, whatever it might be, so I don't need to share that story. But God is constantly revealing more about himself to us in new ways. God is never changing, but always revealing to us new things about who he is, about his character, about how we can relate to that as we go through different chapters of our lives as well. We're dealing with different stuff than we were a year ago. We're dealing with different things than we were when we were children. Five, whatever it was, God is still meeting us in that. So this news, this good news that we share is indeed news. So we can share that, what God is doing in our hearts in new ways. And then finally, when we're sharing these stories, let's have some fun. Because the story of redemption is life giving and a life that is rooted in Jesus, a life that is defined by his redemptive power is filled with joy. So we can share it with joy at the tip of our tongues with everything that we're leading with, we can meet people with joy. So the story we're looking at today in this new series, Bedtime Stories, involves a talking donkey. And at first I was like, yeah, that's, I remember as a kid reading it, but like, yeah, that's in there, yeah, there's a story of a talking donkey in the book of Numbers, and we get to look into that today. It's surrounding a man by the name of Balaam. Now, Balaam is very interesting because Balaam is this sort of prophet for hire, which is kind of weird, it kind of muddies the waters where people in, in, around in other nations, other leaders, other kings and whatever knew that he sort of spoke the language of God, so they would go and hire him out to either bless people or curse people. And the thing is with Balaam, I think he could speak the language of God, but he never quite knew what the words meant. Later in 2 Peter, he's described as loving the wages of wickedness. So here he is, these, these leaders are hiring him out and it starts to muddy the waters because now all of a sudden his will and what he gets out of a situation starts to get mixed up with what God's will is and what God wants to happen within any situation. He's, starting, he's trying to make God's will fit into his desires rather than the other way around where we should want our desires to match the will of God. Maybe we we fall into that sometimes, and that's why we're looking at this story today because it can be difficult to try to figure out what God's will might be within any given situation or relationship or a new chapter in our story as well. And often we can try to skew the lines a little bit, smudge the lines, kind of push the boundary of saying, no, God, surely this is in your will. There's this job opportunity, you see, and it's going to be really make a lot of money for me, and I'm going to have new opportunities to move up into the organization. But yeah, I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time with my kids. I know that that's important. And yeah, I know I come from a family where the the curse of being a workaholic has been passed down, and we sort of make work or being prestigious or moving up in the company, we make that our Lord and that our God. But surely, God, I'll be able to give more opportunities to my kids than I never had. I'll be able to, surely you want that for me. Or maybe we're in school when you're younger or any kids in school now that they, they're stuck and I, it's such a hard time because they know they're not supposed to say certain things, do certain things, look at certain stuff. But you see, everyone else is doing it and God, don't you want me to have the relationship with these people? Surely that's your will. Happens even from the start of time with Adam and Eve. It's like, did we really are we really not supposed to eat from this tree? Well, and start to push that boundary a little more and more. So when we're looking at how do we navigate God's will, we can ask the question first off, when God says no, don't go. When God says no, don't go. And that can help us out, deciphering whenever our desires start to conflict with what God's will might be. Now, before we dive into the story, a little background of what's happening right here. So the people of Israel, God's chosen people, they've been kept out of captivity and they are on their way to the promised land. And while they are on their way to the promised land, they are defeating different nations, different kingdoms that are standing in their way. They had just defeated the Amorites and no one thought that they were gonna beat the Amorites, but they did. So now they are in the plains of Moab, which you think like, that's not a big deal, except if you are the king of Moab named Balak, who does not like it. He's afraid they're gonna come in, they're gonna use up all their resources, they're gonna drive out his people, he is concerned. Now, important difference, Balak, king of Moab. Balaam, prophet for hire. Balak king, Balaam, prophet for hire. All right, we have that settled, ready to go. So Balak knows about Balaam and he's like, I wonder if I could, hire this guy out to come and put curses on the people of Israel, because I don't want them around. So he sends all these different messengers to go and get Balaam to deal with the Israelites who are messing up the grass in his plains. So we pick up in the story in Numbers chapter 22. And if it's all right with you, I figured with this sermon series, telling the stories, it'd be very fun to read from here. I'd never sat in this before. I had no idea if it was gonna hold up when I just sat down. We're doing great. Here we go. So we are in Numbers chapter 22, verse 12. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them, the messengers that Balak sent. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, or as I like to say, zipper, says, do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say, come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. All right. So to Balaam's credit, he knows that the people of Israel are off limits. You do not curse God's chosen people. He gets that. But then Balak You see, he sends these prestigious individuals, more numerous. And Balaam's sitting there like, what? All this for little old me? You shouldn't have. And then he starts to say, well, you know, maybe for all the silver and gold in the palace. No, not for all the silver and gold, but he plants the seed in their heads. And then he says, let's go ahead. Why don't you spend the night, see what else God might tell me, seeing if he can get a little bit more out of the situation. He has this strategic hesitation wondering to see if he can get some more out of it, because the ball is kind of in his court right now, getting more out of these officials that Balak sent over. So there's this hesitation, and then there's this tricky part of this reluctant permission from God, where God made it very clear to Balaam, do not curse the people of Israel. He said, don't do that, but Balaam's pushing the boundary a little bit. He's saying, no, 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 but... Wouldn't it be great for me if this happened? Sure, that's in your will, God. Surely he's smudging that line a little bit. And then God says, all right, go. And it's tough to hear that, that Balaam was given this choice here to go against the will of God, to step outside the will of God. But what's true of what we're reading, and maybe you have a story in your life as well, that we may step outside the will of God, but we never step outside the grace of God. It happens all throughout the story of the Israelites. Time and time again, they go against God. They let God down, but time and time again, the grace is still there for them. And maybe there's a story in your life too, where you know that looking back, you were kind of getting off track a little bit, kind of going down down a path that maybe God didn't have intended for you. But then in grace, He brought you back, showing that he was there the whole time. Not only was he there the whole time, but also you see that people were in your life to help lead you back to God. Because God isn't just sitting there, just like a parent at the door when you're coming home late, like, where were you? No, he's actively seeking us out to bring us back into knowing his love and to realizing that the grace was there all along. So with that, we see that when God says, no, don't go, and, and if while we're trying to seek out his will, we go, what we can then realize is when God blocks your way, stop. When God blocks your way, stop. Know that he is in the midst of everything that we're going through. He's not just setting us out saying, good luck, figure it out. His spirit is with us, a spirit that we receive as members of the family of God. That spirit is with us guiding our way and sometimes there's counsel that even gets put into our lives, and we're gonna see a pretty unique one here in the story of when Balaam, Balaam continued on. So continuing the story in verse 21, it says, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place, where there is no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, as you do. You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey has a rebuttal. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. Just in case Balaam thought he was getting away with something, with still going out after his deci- his his desires, the angel of the Lord comes and is like, "No, no, you got to be on my path." When Balaam kept trying to push the line a little bit more, a little bit more, and to morph in the will of God into his desires, this obstacle is in his way. But you can still tell he's got a stubborn heart. It goes through it three different times, and three different times the donkey is the one that sees what's going on. The donkey sees that he is being rather stubborn. So you're wondering who's more stubborn, a donkey who is sort of has that that notion, that reputation of being stubborn, or this prophet for hire instead. So we see these characteristics of a stubborn heart with Balaam. A stubborn heart doesn't see God's warnings. Maybe we don't see them, or maybe we're not looking for them either. He had the same warning before he left, and then there after this instance with his donkey. So a stubborn heart won't see those warnings. A stubborn heart doesn't stop wrong pursuits. Balaam kept inching that line, even though God said, no, do not curse my people he still went against the will of God and pursued what was wrong. A stubborn heart doesn't listen to wise counsel. Now I know in this story, it was a donkey, which is odd to describe wise counsel, but I don't wanna get to the point where I have to have a donkey talking to me to turn me around. So when we have our hearts softened, looking at what God is trying to do, trying to tell us, we're gonna start to see earlier signs, earlier warnings. Might not always be from people that we expect, but if we go about it trying to seek out God's will, we're gonna see those warning signs a little bit clearer. And then finally a stubborn heart doesn't learn from previous mistakes. Three different times he had to be stopped. Three different times he refused God's warning and kept going after his pursuits. Eventually he sees the angel of the Lord and his intentions were brought into view. And now that God has his attention, Balaam relents and knows he got to go about it God's way. And to go about it God's way means to go and be a blessing. When God says to bless, be a blessing. Are we going about our days with the intention of bringing blessings to people? Are we going about to seek out blessings and not curses? To wrap up the story of what happened here, Balaam, and before we get there, we'll we'll wrap up with the story, but Balaam finally gets to Balak and it's actually kind of funny and I recommend you go back and read it because Balaam gets there and Balak says like, where have you been? And Balaam's response is basically, listen, I'm here now, but I have no control over what I'm gonna say. So don't hold me to what I'm gonna say. And it's kind of like if you're waiting at your house for a plumber, And you're like, plumber finally gets there. And you're like, oh, thank goodness, you're finally here to fix the toilet. And they're like, listen, I'm here now, but I'm going to fix what I'm going to fix. Like, (laughs) anything could happen. That's kind of what Balaam's saying. Anything could happen. So they go up. They find this place to try to curse the people of Israel. So Balaam makes some sacrifices, and he goes to curse people. But instead, God says, don't curse them, bless them. So he blesses them. Balak does not like that. So he's like, all right, that wasn't great. Let's try a different spot. So they go to a different spot. Sacrifice again, same thing. Go to curse them, but then he blesses them instead. Balak's mad and goes, like, listen, if you're not gonna say anything, if you're not gonna curse them, just don't say anything at all. Just stop talking. That's basically what he's saying. And then they try, all right, let's try one third time. And that is where we pick up in the story of chapter 24, the last time that Balaam tries to curse the people of Israel. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to divination as at other times. He turned his face toward the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel and camp tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him and he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob. Your dwelling places, is Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have abundant water. The king will be greater than a gag. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. With the arrows they pierce them, like a lion that crouched and lied down, like a lioness. Who dares to rouse them? May those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave it once and go. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. And I disagree with that final statement. Because being a blessing to those around us is the greatest reward of all. We can see rather frequently as we go about our daily lives, we're in our communities, we're in our workplaces, whatever it is, that it, that it's easier to curse people, that we see curses before we see blessings. And you might be thinking like, oh, a curse, that sounds pretty harsh. Like I haven't tried to bring a curse on anyone's crops recently or rain down judgment on their heads. Like what does it mean to curse? Well, how about this? Man, I can't believe my boss. My boss has no idea what they're doing. I would do so much better. Man, they should just get fired. Everyone says so. Or like, I can't believe my teacher thinks we need to learn this stuff. This is ridiculous. Everyone in the class hates them. They don't like it. They have no idea what they're doing. We even search out what we should curse. We go online and try to figure out what we're supposed to be upset about because we don't want to be on the other side of curse, so we better be prepared. Better be prepared to curse instead. Where cursing becomes our default state. Happened to me right down here on on Central Street this week. I was trying to turn left, and you know how the lights are just always blinking right now. (laughs) So I'm trying to turn left, I don't see a car coming, but I stop and plenty of room, car drives by but he took time to stop, roll down his window, say some mean words, and then keep driving. And I'm not sharing this story of like, well, I didn't shout back, or like, how dare he? Because one, it was my fault, I didn't see him, so yeah, there's that, he had the right to be angry, and then also, I'm sure there was something going on in his day as well, to lead with curses like that. And it just made me think as I'm preparing this lesson of, man, what? What was my initial response? Was it to, to curse back? To be angry back? Or instead try to lead with blessings? It's a silly example, but I hope you see that it's gonna take some work, rewiring, if you will, in our own hearts. of so Instead of seeking out opportunities to curse and, and to bring other people down, we're going about our lives with the hope and the desire of being a blessing. And it's all about trying to stay within the will of God, trying to understand, God, what do you have for me? And it's gonna be hard to recognize when, it might be hard to recognize when God says no, it might be hard to recognize when God has put stuff in our way and we're supposed to stop. So instead our final guiding force, our sort of North Star is, am I being a blessing? Because if we lead with that, if we are searching to bless people and not curse, we're gonna have a better chance of remaining within the will of God. We're gonna be better empowered to go and affect people's lives the way that God wants us to, sharing his love in whatever interactions that we are, that we're in, that we find ourselves in. Let's go out and be a blessing within our workplaces, within our schools, our homes, this community and truly try to change the world around us through that. We're blessed to celebrate each week the greatest blessing of all, the blessing that broke all other curses in our lives. And that's the celebration of communion. Where on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. This is my blessing for you. This is the blessing to pass on to other people as well to celebrate together. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup And he said, this is my new covenant. This is my promise to you in my blood. His promise to us that we're a part of the story that he is building, a part of his story of redemption. He said, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the King. During our last time of of worshiping and singing together. Tammy and I will be down here. If you have any prayer requests or struggles and you feel like you're stuck within that path, within that story of curses, and you need prayer through that, be happy to take time and pray with you to encourage you to be a blessing to you as well as we lift each other up. But also if you're in that that path of curses and you don't feel like it's ever being broken, you're like enough's enough. I wanna be part of that redemption story. I want redemption to be my story. And you wanna be baptized into the family of God today. We have that here, we have the water ready. We'd be happy to celebrate that beautiful invitation with you today as well. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the endless blessings that you have given us, the endless blessings that, Lord, we take part in every day. Lord, train up our hearts to see those blessings and praise you for them. And Lord, not only just give you praise for it, but also praise you through being a blessing ourselves in the world around us, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, Lord. The work that you have set apart for us, you have given us the strength and the power through your spirit to go and bless and be good news in a good news way. Thank you for this time together that no matter what happens, we are always existing within your grace. In your name we pray.
2: We're going to sing this last song. It's just the story of Jesus and just his choice to come down and take human form and give his life for our sins. And without that, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. We wouldn't be here today. So we're just going to praise him for that. Came to the table with friends. God's only son on the cross sent to restore what was love. Is love. as you go this week just feel that peace feel that love and share it with those around you we love you church see you next time